Hello? Anybody home? Today, I want you to open your mind. I've almost come to the conclusion that the story is so damning that the mass of people can't deal with it. We are in process of developing a whole series of techniques to get people actually to love their servitude. We face a hostile ideology, global in scope, atheistic in character, ruthless in purpose and insidious in method. For we are opposed around the world by a monolithic and ruthless conspiracy that relies primarily on covet means for expanding its sphere of influence. To change the minds and the attitudes and the beliefs of the people of the world, especially the United States, to bring about one world socialist totalitarian government. The potential for the disastrous rise of misplaced power exists and will persist. It has patterned itself after every dictator who has ever planted the ripping imprint of a boot on the pages of history since the beginning of time. Brutes have risen to power, but they lie. Dictators free themselves, but they enslave the people. If you can get people to consent to the state of affairs in which they are living, then you have a much more easily controllable society than you would if you were relying wholly on clubs and firing squads and concentration camps. Tools of conquest do not necessarily come with bombs and explosions and fallout. There are weapons that are simply thoughts, attitudes, prejudices, to be found only in the minds of men. As you connect the dots between different people, organizations, places, religions, history, suddenly the picture starts to form. If you don't connect the dots, it's just a mass of what's all this about. The kingdom of God is within man, not one man, nor a group of men, but in all men, in you, you the people have the power to make this life free and beautiful, to make this life a wonderful adventure. Someone born in the United States is not more special than someone born in Mexico. Someone who is white is not more special than someone who is black. They're just vehicles for the consciousness to experience. War is peace. Freedom is slavery. Ignorance is strength. They do not want your children to be educated. They do not want you to think too much. It was learned that the aliens had been and were then manipulating masses of people through secret societies, witchcraft, magic, the occult, and religion. They reach into our children in music, television, books. Prey on children's innocence. How can I disprove lies that are stamped with an official seal? So if you have the opportunity to stand next to one of these machines, it feels like an altar to an alien god. Genetic power is the most awesome force the planet's ever seen, but you wield it like a kid that's found his dad's gun. The Army Air Forces has announced that a flying disc is now in the possession of the Army. Too many others know what's happening out there, and no one, no government agency has jurisdiction over the truth. Any state, any entity, any ideology that fails to recognize the worth, the dignity, the rights of man. That state is obsolete. A case to be filed under M for Mankind in the Twilight Zone. It's about time some of you got acquainted with the real hard truth. It's the heart that says, I will not acquiesce. Across the gulf of space, intellects vast and cool and unsympathetic regarded our planet with envious eyes. Each of us, when separated, is always looking for our other half. And the desire and the pursuit of the whole is called love. Heart perception will change everything. Freedom is the privilege to be right. Freedom from the disasters of our mistakes. Broadcasting from the Sonoran Desert, 
I'm your host, Ryan Gable, and you are listening to The Secret Teachings Radio, airing five nights a week, Monday through Friday, 10 p.m. to midnight Pacific, here on GroundZero.radio and the Aftermath FM app. If you go to our website, you can find The Secret Teachings at thesecretteachings.info, the archive, where all of our shows are posted. You can listen and download those shows for free or search the name of the show on any radio or podcast player or application. You can listen that way as well after the show. Also, if you'd like to support The Secret Teachings, you can do so by listening to the free archive because it's monetized or subscribing to the full show archive where you get the montages, my digital books, and a private RSS feed. That is a discounted subscription service until the end of the year. And it is one of the ways in which you can help keep us on air into the new year, 2023. Just support us by subscribing, listening to the free archive, or grabbing a copy of one of my books. If you'd like to email the show, you want to contact me directly, rdgable at yahoo.com or tstradio.com at protonmail.com. If you missed any of last week's shows, we had a number of really great shows. We did a show on Monday called Devil on Your Shoulder, Satan in Your Ear, with our co-host Mike D, talking about the Satanic Temple. On Tuesday's show, we did a show called The Power of the Sun in the Palm of Your Hand, about the Department of Energy and the Fusion Announcement. We did a show about the TSA's biometric scanning, on Wednesday, and on Thursday and Friday, we did a couple of shows, a pair of shows, back-to-back episodes, part one and part two, about the Corey Good deposition, and those two shows were, I mean, I had a lot of fun doing those two shows. I love playing the clips from people like Corey Good and David Wilcock and letting their own words tell you the story, uh, a grift that keeps on giving, and Good and Plenty of Lies, those shows as well, of course, are in the archive on the website or anywhere you listen to radio shows or podcasts. And one of the things that Corey Good said in that deposition was that he's part of the entertainment industry and that the entertainment industry, ufology, new age, religions, all that kind of stuff is filled with a bunch of people who are delusional if they believe that what he creates as intellectual property is actually real. He actually said that in the deposition. He said, if you believe that you're talking to the Anshar or the Blue Avians or whatever, you're delusional because I made them up, he says. He made them up. And pretty soon, people like Corey Good, whether he's selling a real experience turned into a drama or he's selling a drama... Uh, that is purely a drama, purely science fiction, people like Corey Good are going to be out of a job because now we have artificial intelligence to make the art for us. Uh, I mean, Corey Good could have used the you know AI art generation to make his comic book. It would have taken five years and a lot of really angry people to get that comic book done. Could have just used AI art. You know, the Corey Good situation, that's not the main subject tonight, but it's a really good example of what I want to discuss because Corey Good, he created this whole universe, uh, the Blue Avians, and I mean, he's got so many different characters. I honestly couldn't sit here and name all of them 
inner earth beings, higher dimensional creatures. And he, he had people, you know, people that work for him and then fan fiction, as he called it, fan fiction, people that make their own versions of what he created. And, you know, it's all trademarked, of course. But a lot of this stuff, a lot of the artwork, the paintings, the drawings, you don't need to do that anymore because the AI can just do it for you. So I'm going to say something nice about Corey Good, despite the fact that Corey Good is a liar and a con artist and a fraud and a liar and a liar and a liar, liar, liar. I am going to say that Corey Good, at least he created something, right? Corey Good created this whole alternate reality. And it's no wonder he wants to protect his intellectual property. He created this whole universe. I mean, a lot of it he probably stole from from Star Trek and other TV shows and movies and books. But, I mean, he created something. So regardless of what you think about Corey Good, at least he created this alternate reality. And he created these, at least his interpretation of these beings, of these aliens, of these some cases, I guess they're kind of monsters in comparison to humans, but he created this world of, of characters and creatures. And so it, it's understandable he would want to trademark that and it's part of his intellectual property. And, you know, I can understand that. I understand that. And, you know, anybody who creates something, you, you want to, at the very least, you want to energetically profit off of it. Um, you know, it's not that maybe you make a piece of artwork because you want to sell it and make money off of it. Not many people are lucky enough to be able to make money off of the art they create, or at least a, a lot of money that is. But it, you want at least someone to acknowledge perhaps that, hey, you, you created something and, and that's that's really cool. Because ultimately at the core of art is conscious expression. Uh, or for some people, it's higher conscious expression. You allow the higher self, if you will, to work through the bodily vessel. And you're basically a tool like the art brush or the pencil or charcoal or whatever you're working with, whatever the medium is. Uh, you know, so for example, for Christmas, uh, I went to, um, well, Hope and I went to Lowe's for something else. And we saw these little tiny wooden, little, little tiny wooden ornaments and they were blank and they were, you know, they were selling them because you, you buy them and then you paint them or draw on them or whatever. And then, you know, you have, you make your own ornaments. So we bought those and Hope went and she has a little tiny paint set. She doesn't paint a lot, but she painted like a desert scene and some saguaro cactuses and she sent them out to some family members. And I took one and I, I'm not a very good painter or drawer, drawler, but I, I painted like, I think I painted like a sun and then a big cactus. And uh, I sent that to my son, Fox, and uh, for Christmas. And he got excited and held it up and put it on the tree. And, you know, I would rather, you know, I'd rather have something like that. I'd rather have, um, you know, I'd rather send those kinds of gifts out rather than just buy something, you know, most of the time. Uh, I mean, there are a few things I want for Christmas. Like I'd, I'd like a, a very authentic Japanese tea set. That's really the only thing I asked for. Uh, there was a book or two, but uh, other than that, you know, I I, I, I understand, uh, and I think I understood this before I was a parent, I understand that, you know, someone's piece of art is is a lot more valuable, especially somebody you know, somebody you love. It's a lot more valuable than a than a physical item otherwise. And that piece of art, although I, I thought my little ornament came out pretty cool, 
Um, I doubt anybody would pay me for it because it doesn't have value to them. So obviously art is subjective and art is a matter of whether or not you'd pay for it and whether or not you see substance in it. And I, I think that substance is context and consciousness. And if you don't have context or consciousness within that piece of art, then it's essentially worthless. It doesn't have any value to it. Um, that's why a lot of art, of course, is only seen as, quote, art and seen as valuable after an artist dies, whether that's music uh, or it's painting or whatever it is. So I understand that, you know, if I if I painted those ornaments and they were the best ornaments that anybody had ever painted and somebody wanted to take them and sell them as their own, like I'd be upset. You know, I created that. So I get where Corey Good's coming from. You know, as long as you acknowledge I made that up and it's not real and I never went to space, but I don't think his ego will allow him to do that. He's in he's in way too deep. But I'm only using him as, a, as an example because I, I, I want to say something nice about Corey Good after last week's shows. He created all, I mean, he stole a lot of the stuff too, <laughs> also to be fair, but he still created this whole world. He created all these beings, all these characters and, and this this story and these and this narrative. I mean, it's it's a dime a dozen in science fiction, but he still created it. He's a human who created this science fiction story. So at least we can we can give him a thumbs up for that. And the problem now is you don't need to really create anything because the computer can do it for you. The algorithm can do it for you. So as sleazy as Corey Good is, as sleazy as a lot of these people are in ufology, at least they were human by some definition, might not have had a, uh, uh, you know, <laughs> might not have had much of a, of a soul, uh, but at least they were creating something. And now we don't need those kinds of people anymore. Because artificial intelligence can do everything for us, whether it's making comic books. AI can make a comic book a lot faster than five years. Artificial intelligence can make various forms of art. Artificial intelligence can do things that, you know, otherwise we would, we would take a lot of time and a lot of energy to be able to bring those things about. So in a way, AI is making you know, the, the, the world of art, um, almost obsolete because now you don't really have to invest any time in your art, the AI, the computer, the algorithm just does it for you. And that's kind of a disturbing thing because obviously not all art is valuable to every person, but with context and consciousness, at least you can appreciate the art. There's a lot of art and this is an extremely, incredibly debatable thing, but there's a lot of art I see, you know, things that are, you know, in, in a city or maybe they're, I saw um, like a little uh, market over the weekend and it wasn't like a food market. It was like a craft market uh, in the parking lot of this grocery store. And I walked over and I saw that they had a bunch of, um, bunch of different types of things like metal art and birdhouses and uh, they had these like three-dimensional maps carved out of wood. Those were actually pretty cool. And as I walked through there, I thought, you know, I don't, I don't really like all the, I don't really like metal art that much myself. But I can appreciate 
you know, something that is actually um, taking somebody a lot of time and a lot of energy, and a lot of effort to make it. I can appreciate that somebody sat down with, uh, you know, wood and glue and paint and they cut and they glued and they stapled and they nailed and they did all these things to, to make a birdhouse or I don't know how they made these three dimensional wooden maps, but those, those were really, really cool. And if I just, if I wasn't so much of a minimalist, you know, I'd, I'd probably have more stuff like that. On the other side of things, you know, not all art is, as far as I'm concerned, not all art is art. Uh, a lot of the fancy modern art, I don't consider it to, to be art I, at, at all. Um, I don't consider a piece of metal twisted and, you know, like a twisted in half uh, spray painted. I don't consider that art. I consider that a piece of metal that somebody spray painted, uh, basically graffiti. That's my opinion, though. And that's the thing about art. A lot of things are opinion. However, when you really go to the core of art, when you just tape something to a wall uh, you, that's not art. And we, th- there is a point in which we, we can draw a line collectively as a society that not everything is art and not everything has, even if, you know, one person might see value in it, you know, not everything is valuable. Uh, and you know, if you look back into history, you go back into the 1930s, like 1932, it, it began and then it ended some sometime in the 80s. It actually it was a lot longer. It lasted a lot longer than um, than than you tend to think if you uh, well, that I tended to think until I researched it a little bit more. But uh, there's something called Soviet realism, and it was a realistic um, artificial style of painting, which emerged after the communist revolution. There's a lot of those pictures of. Uh, Stalin and I'm pretty sure that there's like uh, Lenin and Trotsky and it's but it was all meant to glorify the state right and you look back and you look at these paintings and and you think like oh Stalin was a piece of garbage you know Trotsky and Lenin were psychopaths but well this this art is is still pretty good um it's incredible what people can do with with paint uh and I you know, no matter, I mean, it could be a, it could be a painting of anything. Uh, and it's, it's still, it's still beautiful art, even though the Soviet realism is just state sponsored artistic propaganda. At least we can look back in history and we can appreciate it for what it is. It's still art. Uh, nobody's going to look back in history a hundred years from now and think a banana tape to a wall, which is the example I always give. Uh, no one's going to think that's art because it's not art. Uh, Taking a picture of a trash can, uh, as far as I'm concerned, is not art. Uh, there are certain things that I'm very, I'm very adamant about that are not art, and there are certain things that I'm open to debate and discussion because sometimes it's about context, consciousness, perspective, and well, there's different values that we place on art. Right? There are some things I think, well, that's really cool, but I'm not going to pay for it, so it doesn't really have any value. Like visually. I can acknowledge that, wow, I, that's that's a pretty cool sculpture or a pretty cool painting. Do I want to pay $4,000 for it? No. Like, we went, we went out of town to Sedona for uh, Hope's birthday uh, a week or so ago. Uh, it was last weekend. Not this weekend, but last weekend. And there's a restaurant there in Sedona we go to that we can both eat at. It's kind of like a vegan, organic, you know, no additives kind of a kind of a restaurant. And there were photographs there of of uh, 
parts of Sedona and there's the there's an area called I think it's called like the birthing stone or something like that but you go you go take this hike in the in the mountains and you come to this area that kind of looks like um, a Vasica Pisces and if you, if you have to climb this mountain basically to get up there it's not too hard but it's it's it, you have you need both hands and you get up there and it's it's kind of like uh, you know the the vaginal opening it's reportedly the native americans went there and they they uh they took their pregnant women there and they had babies there and it was very ritualistic and you get up there and it's it's hard to get the angle and hard to get you know you have to have like a very expensive camera and the right kind of lens to be able to get the shot uh that when we were in this restaurant we saw this shot this artist had taken and blown it up and was selling it for like forty five hundred dollars and I thought, well, even because we, we went up to that spot and it was it's really hard to get the angle to make to make the, the Vesica Pisces, which is just two circles coming together. It's that kind of um, almond shape in the middle, the vaginal opening. Um, you know, it's like you see in a bunch of, you know, gothic cathedrals. And we get up there and we're looking and Hope took a picture and we're, we're looking at the she she kind of almost got it, but it, it, it didn't come out like the artist had photographed. And I was thinking, well, even if you did get that picture, it's not, I don't think it's worth $4,500. And, and see, that's the thing too, is like, well, the value of a picture as opposed to a painting, a picture you can take, if you you understand how photography works and lighting and all that, you can take a picture, literally just the snap of a finger, uh, unless you're doing some kind of, you know, long extended um, uh, thing, like you're watching the sunrise or the sunset or, you know, something like that. It, Obviously, it takes a lot longer, but you don't even have to do anything. You just set the camera and then it, it goes. But if you were painting that same thing, like I could understand why you're charging $4,000 for it because it probably took you months and months and months, maybe even a year or so to paint. I, I understand that. And so this is the thing about art that that kind of bothers me is that there certainly are a lot of really good artists in the world. They paint, they do watercolor. I, I, I kind of like watercolor. I think it's I think it's really beautiful. Um one of our, our listeners, uh, Robin, she's a really great artist. We have a lot of listeners that listen to the show that do uh, various forms of art. I know we have listeners that do a lot of digital art. And, you know, that's to, to me, that's all art. But there are some people that think art is just like taping something to a wall. And I don't think that that's art. So those are my views on art. And to recap my thoughts, it's basically... The, the idea of tonight's show is, you know, we, we talked a lot about Corey Good last week. He admits he makes all this stuff up. At least he made it, though. He made all this stuff. And now with AI-generated art, we don't need Corey Good anymore to make stories up. We don't need science fiction uh, authors to make up these worlds and then someone to go and paint them. The AI will do it for us. And the cheap thing about it is, as much as we think, oh, AI art is so great. Not everybody thinks that, but a lot of people do. The AI is only learning from things that you've done. So the artificial intelligence and the algorithms are only making that really cool art because it's taking the art that you made, generally speaking, the, the you generally speaking, it's taking the art that you made and it's turning it into something that that um, basically is a compilation of everything humans have ever done that have been fed into this system. And, and what is that art that humans have created? It's, well, with context and consciousness and, and, and an imagination, it, it's, it's, you know, beautiful paintings and sculptures and you name it. 
So the AI is taking all that and then it's making its own version of those things. In essence, the AI is literally taking the soul out of our culture and as it becomes more human in the sense that it's creating something consciously, it becomes more human, we become more machine-like because we're not going to, if, if the AI-generated art becomes the dominant form of how you know books and graphic novels and video games and all that stuff is produced, humans essentially in this capacity become obsolete, right? So humans become more machine-like. So we just trade in digital uh, currency, digital art, digital everything, where we already do that to a large extent. And the machines will be producing the art based on human creation. So it, it literally becomes the machines that are feeding off of the energy of human creations. And that is a very spooky thing to think about. And that's what we do on The Secret Teachings. It's not just talking about AI art or not just talking about my opinions on art, but getting to the core of it. As the AI and as the computers become more able to produce based on human production, more able to produce this, and it's, it is really cool, a lot of it, the, you know, this, this artificially generated art, art uh, you know, things that look like paintings or drawings or whatever, can basically do whatever, and not just a filter, like it actually generates it. The more it does that, the more it takes consciousness from the human and it becomes more conscious as we begin to trade in the digital sphere, we, we become more machine-like. And we begin to merge with those, those digital things. And I understand, therefore, why a lot of artists are really upset. Uh, there's a really good article by Ars Technica, it's an art website, ARS, Artists Stage Mass Protest Against AI-Generated Artwork on Art Station. And you can understand why. Uh, this story was from Thursday, Friday of last week, uh, and it's a report uh, that earlier last week, members of the online community art station began widely protesting AI-generated artwork by placing no AI art images in their portfolios. Uh, as of Wednesday of last week, the protest images dominated art station's trending page. The artists seek to criticize the presence of AI-generated work on ArtStation and to potentially disrupt future AI models trained using art found on the site, which, as I just said, that's what this is all about. It's not just putting an artist out of business, which they don't make a lot of business anyway, most artists, but it's about using their art to feed the AI. And that's, to me, where this gets very occult and it gets very dark. They're not just putting an artist out of business, they are using the artist's work to feed the artificial intelligence. And, you know, it, AI, no time soon is AI going to take over, you know, the art world. People are still going to make art. And, you know, art is kind of like when, when SpongeBob fights King Neptune, I think it's King Neptune in the Krabby Patty making contest. And he, he makes one Krabby Patty with love and Neptune makes all these Krabby Patties with I think it's his trident or something he makes it with like electricity and uh, they all turn out to be just disgusting because they're mass produced but Spongebob's Krabby Patty he made it with love he tucked the pickles in with the cheese and gave them little ketchup eyeballs and, and a mouth that was better than all the mass produced stuff so art's not going to go away anytime soon but using it to finance these AI generated systems that's that's where things get a little tricky I'm Ryan Gable this is The Secret Teachings more after this don't go anywhere 
The Secret Teachings radio show is on Facebook and Twitter. Just search facebook.com forward slash The Secret Teachings to like us and TST underscore underscore radio to tweet with us. If you enjoy The Secret Teachings and want to hold years of Ryan's research in your hands, visit the website and grab a physical and digital copy of Ryan's books. Occult Arcana will introduce you to sacred myths, folklore, magic, and alchemy. The technological elixir will take you from transhumanism and AI to black goo and UFOs. Food philosophy will change your mind about what we call food, germ theory, and geoengineering. And remember, shipping is always included. Some restrictions exist for international. Visit thesecretteachings.info. From Ground Zero to the Secret Teachings. Keep your dial tuned to Ground Zero Radio. If you'd like to hear more of the Secret Teachings, if you missed a show or part of a show, sign up to the ever expanding archive at thesecretteachings.info. When you subscribe for a month or a year, you get access to the full show archive to every show after it airs. You can download and stream unlimited episodes and share your login with friends or family. With your subscription, you can also get access on the website to all of Ryan's digital books and the ever-growing montage archive. Just visit thesecretteachings.info and click on the Donate Subscribe tab at the top of the page. Use the secure PayPal link and start your membership today. By subscribing, you support The Secret Teachings, Ryan, and yourself. This is one of the best discussions I've been on in a long time. You guys are right on it. Howdy, this is Joe Mars, and you're listening to The Secret Teachings. If anyone can hear this broadcast, I'm still on Earth. This is the frequency of Ground Zero Radio, Ground Zero with Clyde Lewis, and The Secret Teachings with myself, Ryan Gable. So there are a lot of artists all over the internet in art communities that are pretty upset that artificial intelligence, AI-generated artwork, is not only being used and produced, but that it's only able to produce artwork based off of what humans have already created. And when you try to understand, and I say try to understand because I don't fully understand the art world, I'm not an artist, so I can't speak as if I was an artist. But when I think about artwork, there are certainly a lot of things that I don't consider to be art. That doesn't mean they're not art. A lot of it's very, very personal, and the context and the consciousness that go along with the art usually determines whether or not it is a valuable piece of work. And likewise, just because I wouldn't pay for something doesn't mean that it's not valuable in some way. So context, consciousness, and value. What are you willing to pay for that piece of artwork? Now, I think there's also a hard line we can draw in the sand and say that there are some things that just, as far as I'm concerned, are not art, and I don't care how much consciousness or how much value society places on them. I just don't think certain things are art. I think uh, some things are just kind of like a joke. And as artists, like real artists, I, I hope, and I'm, I'm speaking perhaps ignorantly here, I'll admit it, I'm, I'm not in the art community, but there certainly are people that are really lazy and they want to just throw something on a piece of paper or on a canvas and call it art and sell it for a lot of money 
And I'm, I would imagine that there are a lot of artists who get upset at that and think that that's probably cheap. Uh, I mean, we had Marlena Brimner on the show two weeks ago, and this woman is an unbelievable artist. And if I had money to buy art, you know, again, money's not the d- determining factor in whether something's valuable. Uh, I think her art is amazing. I just don't have, you know, money to, to buy an original piece, but that doesn't mean I don't think it's valuable. Her art's amazing. Uh, and I think largely because of the, the content of it, the, the idea of it, which is esotericism, hermeticism, occultism, symbolism, mythology, things like that. That's why I like it. Uh, but she's a really great artist. And I actually saw that she posted on social media that she doesn't really like the AI-generated artwork because, you know, on, on one side of things, on one side of the argument, yeah, it arguably could put some artists out of business. But on the other side of things, it's taking consciousness. It's taking something that humans have created and using it to produce these images. So there are a lot of artists online. There's an online art community called ArtStation, and they've been placing these images. You might have seen them. I've actually seen them outside of this article. These images that say, no AI art, and they've been placing them in their portfolios. As of last week, mid, uh, mid last week, Wednesday, Tuesday, Wednesday, uh, the protest images dominated the trending page on ArtStation. The artists believe that the presence of AI-generated work on ArtStation, just like anywhere else, uh, is something that is basically stealing human work and then passing it off as AI-generated stuff, AI-generated artwork. The article here from Art, uh, Ars Technica says, the artists seek to criticize the presence of AI-generated work on ArtStation and to potentially disrupt future AI models trained using artwork found on the site. Now, this reminds me of something else, too. We talked with Frank uh, from Quite Frankly about, was it a month ago? And we discussed with Frank how all over the world, Precious works of art, whether you would pay for them, you couldn't afford them anyway because they're millions of dollars. Uh, precious works of art have been vandalized, or at least people have attempted to vandalize those pieces of art. Uh, we did a show back in, this was mid-October, a Warhol-like footing. Uh, we talked with Frank, of quite frankly, about how acts of vandalism today against statues and books and priceless cultural art um, you know, they, the, these acts of violence and aggression and vandalism are, are justified by what amount to religious cults. Back in mid-October, a Vincent Van Gogh painting. I'm not a big fan of Vincent Van Gogh. I think he's a good artist, but I don't particularly like his art. I don't see value in it personally, but I, I think he's a, a good artist still. Uh, but Van Gogh's sunflower painting Luckily, it was protected by a casing, but two protesters, or vandals, threw Heinz creamy tomato soup on it. Remember that? Uh, <laughs> it's a good thing it wasn't chunky. It could have broken the, could have broken the casing. But after they threw the, this creamy soup on it, they glued themselves to the wall, and they screamed this, What is worth more, art or life? Is it worth more than food? Worth more than justice? And the vandals... That's what they are. They're not protesters. They're vandals are from a group called Just Stop Oil. Now, the reason that this is super ironic 
actually there's a lot of reasons, is that the label on the Heinz creamy tomato soup can is made with oil. And the glue, like most glue that they use to glue themselves to the wall, we can presume was made with oil. The irony is the Vincent van Gogh sunflower painting, like most of van Gogh's paintings, although it was made with oil, it was made with plant oil. It was not made with the black goo oil that just stop oil wants to get rid of. So they literally used products that are made with the oil. They don't like to vandalize something or attempt to vandalize something that was made with oil. That is different than the oil. They don't like, which is really ironic. And it really, demonstrates the ignorance and, and, and how young people, that's, these are just young kids, young people are pulled into these, these cults, uh, climate cults or whatever the case is. So that was one of, uh, God, it was like at least half a dozen at the time uh, different paintings that were attacked. We've had a lot more since then. And, uh, you know, people have been arrested and people have been prosecuted, but it's, it's so weird that you would use spray paint or glue yourself to art or signs when virtually all of these classic paintings are made with plant-based oils. Uh, the second thing that makes this doubly ironic is that Just Stop Oil's funder, Climate Emergency Fund, was set up by the granddaughter of an oil tycoon. And maybe, you know, you say, well, maybe this, this woman, you know, doesn't like oil. And okay, well, their headquarters is in Beverly Hills, California. The glue is made of petroleum. The label of the soup can, which the soup was wasted, by the way, uh, when it could have been given to a hungry person, is made of uh, polyethylene oil, plastic. Uh, the spray paint that they used is made of oil, and it's an aerosol. <laughs> so, uh, If you go back into the archive, in fact, all um, before I upload this show to the archive, uh, I will re-upload the Warhol-like footing show so as a best of. So you can, you can listen and download that. So that's what we'll be talked about on that show. So destroying priceless works of art in the name of climate change, in the name of environmentalism, which, you know, I think that climate change people, uh, environmentalist type of people, are usually the kind of people that love art. But now they're making a stand against art and they're making a stand against art by just trying to destroy, you know, beautiful works of art, whether you like them or not personally is irrelevant. It's still uh, culture and history. They, they're doing this while AI is simultaneously taking over, in some respect, the art world. So it's almost like they're bots working for the machines so the AI uses human art like, uh, you know, like a Picasso, right? Or a Van Gogh or something like that. And also just the art of, you know, average everyday artists who you don't know their name online. And it uses that to generate the images that we think, oh, those are so cool. Look at those cool dystopian images that the AI created. Well, that it did that based off of human creations. And while the AI is doing that and essentially taking what art is, and that is energy, consciousness, context, uh, and, and perspective, and all these things that are you know, elements of you know, humanity, consciousness, uh, and the context of, of what gives the art value, taking all that, and it is using it 
uh, to generate its own images. And why this is while this is happening, you have protesters destroying those original works of art, or at least trying to destroy those original works of art. Uh, and that's a really, really disturbing thing to think about. I want you to think about that. I'm going I'm to say that again, very slowly. Context, consciousness, and let's say energy, you know, which could be currency or value. That's what goes into art. When the AI takes those things and it produces its own images, it's taking consciousness, the soul, it's taking the energy and the value of those things and it's making it its own, making those things its own. And while that's happening, you have protesters destroying the original works of art or at least attempting to destroy the original works of art for which we can, in some cases, you know, it's kind of a, a theoretical thing, but it's, it's more so the idea that matters. The original works of art, like a, like a, a Van Gogh, let's say, a human created, not a computer, it takes that to make its own art, and then we sent out the drones and the bots to destroy the original art. That's a very, very dark thing. That's a very disturbing thing. You know, there's a really great book. Uh, there is, uh, it's called An Economic Fallacy. The name of the book is uh, Economics in, in One Lesson. Uh, very basic economics. Uh, if, I don't know if you ever read this book, but it starts with the broken window fallacy, right? This book talks about machines and technology and the idea that machines and technology, it's going to make humans obsolete. Uh, and, and certainly there are some jobs that machines can, can make uh, obsolete for humans or make totally obsolete. And, and that's not necessarily a bad thing because there are some jobs that, you know, they're just not needed anymore. We don't need people to go find, you know, well fat and blubber for oil and for lighting our homes. They just don't need that type of a job anymore. We have new technologies. But, you know, technology machines, you know, as was warned in the early 20th century and as argued in this book, do... Uh, do very little to eliminate humans from the workforce in certain respects, perhaps yes, but at the end of the day, humans are, you know, are still working and machines have not totally taken over, uh, you know, everything and humans work alongside of machines and, and, and whatnot. So, so the same thing with art, right? If you have AI generated art, and that AI-generated art is threatening to replace artists, it's a little different than jobs in the workplace, as far as I'm concerned, because the AI-generated art is taking the consciousness from the artwork, and it's using it to generate its own art. And it's making the artist obsolete. You know, in art, you have, yes, certainly different jobs, right? You could be a painter. You could, you could do um, oil-based paints. You could do, and excuse me for my ignorance, I'm not an artist, but you could do charcoal. You could do watercolors. You could do sculpting. But ultimately, all these people are artists. I mean, maybe there's a thing in the art world. You're like, no, I'm a sculptor. Fine. But people are still artists. If AI art takes over, uh, 3D printing takes over all these different types of art, then 
human-produced art as a thing, in essence, becomes obsolete. So let me read you, this is just a little section from my book, The Technological Elixir, uh, and it's just a little tiny section on economics in one lesson uh, by Henry Hazlitt. Henry Hazlitt explains in Economics in One Lesson how machines require labor in their production and maintenance, which creates jobs that otherwise would not have existed. So that breaks apart the fallacy that machines will replace humans because machines still need... It's like, the, was that Charlie and the Chocolate Factory where the toothpaste machine put the guy out of business, but then the machine needs maintenance, so you, you know it creates another job. So machines, therefore, are meant to, quote, increase production to raise the standard of living to increase economic welfare, end quote. And these are things that you can find, of course, uh, as obvious outcomes of the Industrial Revolution. However, the Fourth Industrial Revolution involves systems that make not jobs, but make humans obsolete. And we find that when we go back to early 2020 with the idea that some humans are essential and some humans are not essential. Uh, and since art is an expression of the soul, of the spirit, and of consciousness, some humans, in the, you know, those that are artists, uh, well, they, they aren't needed anymore. We don't need artists anymore. And the, the irony in all of this is just like with the, the environmental climate change kind of people, they also tend to be very like liberal-minded in terms of the arts. But now these climate environmentalist people are the ones that are trying to destroy art uh, in the same way that you have people that tend to be, you know, more liberal art minded uh, and they love, you know, technology and machines. But the irony is now those things are essentially and, and potentially uh, putting them out of business. Now, not yet and not anytime soon. I'm not saying artists go away, but when you have artificial intelligence generating all of the art, something else comes into play here. It's, it's not just the individual, but it's, it's whole companies, video game uh, design, uh, concept art for movies and TV shows and comic books and graphic novels. Used to be whoever was, you know, you were the better artist, you were the better, you know, thinker, better creator. But if AI is just doing all of this, then where does the AI get the information from to make this art. If you've got all these video game and uh, movie production companies and you know creative outlets, and it's basically humans battling with each other over who who's the most creative, who's the most talented. If you have AI replacing all that, then it's just the AI fighting against itself. It becomes stronger. We become we become weaker in that regard. And I don't think that's a fallacy. I think that's a reality. So. Artists are protesting, and uh, it's not something you're going to see much of in the news. You know, artists don't have much of a say in anything. Most artists are pretty poor, and, you know, most artists um, tend to not be able to really make a living off of their art, so it's kind of like, you know, it's kind of like a hobby um, for most people, which makes it, again, almost even more ironic because as a hobby, you know, when you do something that is a hobby, it's usually something you really, really enjoy and love. And you, and you do it because you don't need to make money off of it. So if that's the case, then, you know, people are still going to do art. But in effect, the AI-generated system, image systems and whatnot, they can create things that 
in, in seconds that might take you months or maybe, maybe it takes the AI system a couple of hours or a couple of days, but it, things in a couple of hours, a couple of days, it might take you months or years to complete. Or in a couple of seconds, what might, what might take you hours or days or weeks to create. So it's essentially, it's not just the workforce. It's not just the, the uh, video games and concept art and movies and TV shows and comic books and graphic novels. It's also our hobbies. You know, it's also the things that, that, that we love to do. Now we can just use the AI to make these things for us. So it's not so much that the AI is, is a bad thing in that regard. It's that when we take the time to do, to do the thing that we love to do, we do the things like, you know, painting or drawing or whatever, our hobbies, now we can just use the computer to do it for us. And it's kind of like when TV dinners first came out. TV dinners were, were, were marketed as a way to allow the, the, the woman of the home to spend more time with her family. Is, is, is that happening today with food on demand, with Uber Eats and with restaurants on every corner and packaged food and every gas station to grocery store? No, people statistically spend less time together. People spend less time with their families. People spend less time with their friends. People spend less time in their communities. Everybody's behind a screen now. Everybody's at home watching TV or on the computer. So it's limited our social interaction. It's limited our uh, community interaction. And this is obviously, you know, at, at the core, why a lot of artists are really, really upset because it is... It's destroying their, it's not just their way of life, it's destroying quickly um, the, the ability of a human to create something that has value uh, when uh, otherwise a machine can do it much quicker and make it look just as good uh, as the art that the human produced and make it something that you, you can't even tell. You can't even tell what's what's real and what's not real. What did the AI do? What did the human do? So in essence, although there certainly is an argument for there being a, a, an economic style fallacy here, there is a component, there is an element of this which is essentially putting humans out of business. Yeah, but it's not just humans, it's not about economics, it's about consciousness. It's about the energy and the value. Back in September, we talked about the first bot-generated graphic novel, AI artwork. Author Kevin Hess, who's a diehard science fiction fan, he has a favorite book called Star Maker by Olaf Stapledon, published in 1937. And he's used this, this book that he really, really enjoys. Uh, and he... he uh, report uh, according to this article, it's reported that he wanted to pay homage to this book, so he used an AI-generated art platform, Midjourney, to create this graphic novel version of the 1937 book. So you have this first official, first officially created AI-generated graphic novel called Star Maker, and. The weird thing about this is, I mean, there's obviously, you know, a lot of things that no longer are, you know, under copyright. And so you can kind of, you can do things like you could reprint, you know, certain texts and sell them and, and all that. 
But whether it's copywritten or not, copyrighted or not, taking it and then making art out of it and then, you know, trying to sell it when you're not even the artist, (laughs) the computer is the artist. You're not even the artist. It would be one thing if you liked Star Maker or you liked uh, Star Wars or whatever and you did art and and that was your own creation. That's one thing. But when the computer does it for you and, and I'm not talking about you know, computer generated images and people go through and they layer things and they do graphic design. You know, that's a, I have respect for those people. That's such a, a pain in the ass. But if the computer is just doing it for you and you have very limited, minimal work in creating it, I guess you could say the same thing about time-lapse photographs. Like, but you do have to, you do have to know what you're doing with those time-lapse photographs. A lot of this AI generated stuff, uh, it's becoming rapidly uh, automated where you barely have to do anything to create it. So how can you profit off of something someone else created plus something that a machine created and then pretend like you're an artist? I'm not saying that's what this Kevin Hess guy is doing. He just wanted to see it in a graphic novel form. But, how, but that's, that's one of the things that this leads to. You, you can literally create things that someone else created. So you, basically, it's like a and back to the Corey Good situation. Uh, it, you're just taking some, something someone else created and then you're making it into your own thing. And then you want to sell it. And you didn't even do anything It's worse than Corey Good because at least he came up with these silly ideas and kind of, he might have poached them a little bit, but he at least cre- kind of created this whole alternative universe. Uh, this this isn't even doing that. This is just taking something that already exists and then making it <laughs> making it, in, making it into another version of that and then trying to sell, I, I'm an artist, trying to sell it. Uh, you, no, you're not an artist. You're, you're just someone that took something else, put it into a computer, and the computer is the artist. The computer made it up. The computer designed it. And then there's the abolition of man, which was the first comic created from AI-generated art. And it's a really, really kind of, it almost looks like something from a Tool music video. Um, I, I I like Tool, but I don't particularly like this, this kind of art. It's kind of disturbing. Uh, but the abolition of man, the first comic from AI, this was back in June of this year. We did a, a whole show with Derek Murphy about this. Uh, you can find it in the Secret Teachings archive at thesecretteachings.info. And let me let me get the name of that show. Maybe I'll put this up as a best of before I put tonight's show up as well. Uh, the Abolition of, of Man, and that was with Derek Murphy. I'm going to look in the archive here real quick. Uh, let's see. Scroll down. Uh, yep, Beauty is in the AI of the Beholder. That was the name of the show. And uh, we talked about uh, the... The Abolition of Man, the comic book, but also the uh, the book that was written. Um, it was a book that was written by C.S. Lewis about man's power over nature and the value of objectivity and natural law, where Lewis argues that emotion should conform to reason uh, and science. Uh, Carson Grubog, who co-created the AI comic, said that we need this technology because all man can seem to do is substitute rich creative gold of the past with recycled lead of the present. That's a quote. However, it only seems this way because our entertainment is filled with the same imagery everywhere we look. Every movie, TV show, etc. It's just the same thing over and over and over and over and over again. Because we think that certain kinds of themes and ideas are going to sell and do really well, and so that's where we invest our money. Um, I disagree with Carson Grubach about that. 
we do recycle a lot, but it's it, that doesn't mean we need AI to create something new for us. We just need to allow new ideas and uh, you know maybe even new new people with new ideas. We need to allow to allow those things to 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 gestate, to grow, uh, to you know to be to be utilized. So AI generated comic books, AI generated graphic novels, the abolition of man, comic book, and the Star Maker book from the 30s graphic novel. When we come back, we're going to look at the AI generated creatures like Krungus and Loab and stuff like that and how that fits into this artificial intelligence art creation and the talking about those NFTs of uh, Donald Trump as well. There's a lot more coming up on The Secret Teachings tonight. You don't want to miss it. www.thesecretteachings.info rdgable at yahoo.com I'm Ryan Gable. More after this. Don't go anywhere. You are listening to The Secret Teachings contact the show to share information and your opinion or give recommendations email rdgable at yahoo.com visit the facebook page facebook.com forward slash the secret teachings or visit the website at www.thesecretteachings.info if you're looking for a great gift that keeps on giving this year check out one of my four books for the holiday season occult arcana is a monumental collection of esoteric and occult lore the technological elixir looks at ufos demonology in the music industry and the soul and spirit in relation to modern technology Liberty Shrugged, my new book, takes you on a historical journey through the concepts of natural liberty and provides a different angle on the American Revolution. Food Philosophy explores food industry propaganda, advertising tricks, and geoengineering. Get all four books only at thesecretteachings.info in softcover or digital. That's thesecretteachings.info. If you'd like to hear more of The Secret Teachings, if you missed a show or part of a show, sign up to the ever-expanding archive at thesecretteachings.info. When you subscribe for a month or a year, you get access to the full show archive to every show after it airs. You can download and stream unlimited episodes and share your login with friends or family. With your subscription, you can also get access on the website to all of Ryan's digital books and the ever-growing montage archive. Just visit thesecretteachings.info and click on the Donate Subscribe tab at the top of the page. Use the secure PayPal link and start your membership today. By subscribing, you support The Secret Teachings, Ryan, and yourself. People ask me all the time what they can do to take control of their lives when facing a daily onslaught of dis and misinformation. I say take control of your body and mind with water filtration. Visit www.thesecretteachings.info and click on our affiliate sponsor link with Pro One Water Filters at the top of the page to search for a water filter for the home, camping trip, and even the shower. They filter countless contaminants and make a wonderful gift for friends, family, and yourself. That's Pro One Water Filters at thesecretteachings.info. Hello folks this is jordan maxwell and you're listening to the secret teachings excellent shows with your host ryan gable think about your hero when you're at ground zero and crawl out to the fallout back to me
Attention, you are tuned into restricted airspace. Tune out immediately. This is the frequency of the secret teachings on Ground Zero Radio. Hi everyone, this is Mark Passio, and you're listening to The Secret Teachings with Ryan Gable. listening to the secret teachings radio i'm your host ryan gable the music tonight is white bat audio you can listen to them on youtube white bat audio they let us use their music for free if you're just joining us it is monday december 19th 2022 the week of christmas year's almost over still have that subscription and book deal until the end of the year over on thesecretteachings.info. You can obviously listen to the show five nights a week here on GroundZero.radio, or you can listen to the show afterward in our free archive or in the subscription archive without advertisements. And if you'd like to contact the show, rdgable at yahoo.com. Art is about context. Art is about consciousness. Art is about the value that we place on it. I might not be able to afford certain kinds of art, and I'm not really an art collector. That doesn't mean I don't think that some kinds of art don't have value. I see a really cool painting or a photograph or a drawing. I might not have $4,000 to pay for it, but that doesn't mean that it's not a piece of art. doesn't mean that it's not valuable. Likewise, just because someone is willing to pay a bunch of money for something doesn't mean that it is valuable, doesn't mean that it has any meaning or purpose. It could just be a banana taped to a wall. It could just be, literally, I've seen some in some cases, just a pile of garbage. It's a statement. No, it's a pile of garbage. Uh, artificially generated art, artificially generated art, artificial art, artificial art is not so much a threat to artists and designers because it could put them out of business, It's a threat to them because, and it's not just a threat to them, it's a threat to everybody because it is a result of feeding on what humans have already created. It consumes original works of art. And I'm not talking about information. It's one thing to say, well, the AI gets smarter because we we learn more and the AI helps us learn and then we learn and then it learns. And now this is thing, this is stuff, these are things that humans are creating. Humans are creating through their own hands, through consciousness, through expression. So it's consuming those original works of art. It's consuming consciousness, essentially. It exists as a result of feeding on what humans have already created. And it consumes those original works of art digitally. Well, vandals have been attempting to destroy those same works of art physically. They're almost like bots. AI-generated art or artificially generated art essentially siphons conscious energy and creative abilities from the human soul so that it becomes more human. And that leaves humans to trade in digital currency and digital art, essentially becoming more machine-like. 
the world's first bot-generated graphic novel hit the market this year. Author Kevin Hess took the book Star Maker by Olaf Stapledon, published in 1937, plugged it into an AI art generation platform called Midjourney, and created a graphic novel out of it. Earlier this year, back in June, we also saw that C.S. Lewis's story, The Abolition of Man, about man's power over nature and the value of objectivity and natural law, wherein he argues that emotion should conform to reason in science. C.S. Lewis's story and concept and title was taken by Carson Grubog, who created the AI comic version of that book. Carson argues that we're basically taking recycled lead of the present and turning it into art over and over and over again. And he says that we're taking rich creative gold and substituting it with this recycled lead. Now, I didn't say that. He said that. This is the guy that created the first AI comic. So he makes this alchemical reference. Now, I think that it only feels and seems that we're recycling things over and over again because Hollywood knows in particular that we just want to see things explode. We just want to see buildings collapse and big monsters and So we just keep recycling these things over and over and over and over and over again. That's not an excuse to replace human creativity with machine creativity, which there's irony there because the machine creativity is only coming from the human in the first place. It's basically like plugging a human into a machine and then look at all these crazy cool things the machine made. Well, the machine didn't actually make them. It just stole them from the human. It's like that... um, There's an episode of that old TV show, The Powerpuff Girls, where all the color was sucked out of the world. Everything became very, very gray, very communist. You know, all the color was sucked out of the world. And that's kind of what's happened. That's kind of the idea here of what's happening is that all the color, uh, all the life is being sucked out of the human. Uh, You know, like Monsters Incorporated, where the scream, you know, that scream machine or something, it just sucked the life out of, it was meant for the kids, but it sucked the life out of one of, uh, Randall's workers and he just left this like hollow shell with like like no blood in his body or something that's what's happening just humans plugged into these things and sucking the life out of out of us so I've always thought that maybe humans are being forced or influenced or something to that effect uh, by essentially making a Faustian deal uh, with cosmic forces for cheap rewards we're being forced to do this or we're agreeing to do this and or maybe it's just the, the downside of, uh, you know, quote, unquote, progress. But when machines were introduced in the early 20th century, you know, the 19th century, uh, machines that made uh, everything from, you know, pub- uh, publication of books to um, thinking of like the cotton gin, uh, steam engines, like these things are positive, beneficial developments in the history of mankind. But they also led a lot of people to think, well, this technology is going to put people out of business. 
And, you know, it, it did actually put certain things out of business. It put, it put slavery out of business in, in, in certain respects. Um, it put, uh, you know, well, like when electricity came onto the scene, uh, electricity put certain people out of business, people that went and collected, you know, the, the fat and the blubber of whales for oil to burn in lamps. It put those people out of business. And those are positive things. It, it allowed our civilization, our societies to advance forward technologically in a way that became, you know, less inconvenient and, and less, um, less polluting uh, and less damaging to the environment, which is kind of ironic because people think electricity is so bad. Oh, it, it, we generate it with coal. Well, would you rather kill whales to light your home? Like, we're, we'll keep making progress. Just stop trying to do it artificially. So technology has always been seen as a thing that can put people out of business and replace humans. And in, in some ways it does, certainly. I also think there's a difference, though, between those classical economic fallacies and what we see now with AI-generated art. You look at C.S. Lewis's Abolition of Man, it's kind of ironic that became the first AI-generated comic book. Star Maker became the first AI-generated graphic novel. And recently, Linza AI, this is just a few days ago, Linza AI turns your selfie into a magical avatar. The article says from the Indian Times, the app comes from Prisma Labs, the mobile technology company, best known for its previous Prisma app that allowed users to turn their photos into a painting with the help of AI. Linza takes it a step further now. It will create fantastical avatars of you based on the selfies you upload. The avatar could imagine you in an anime setting. Convert your photo into a modern-day painting or put you in a cosmic look or imagine what you might look like if you were part of a fantasy movie. No avatar is the same, and the app returns a unique avatar each time you run the algorithm. Does that sound fun to you? For a lot of people, it sounds fun. A lot of people are doing it. I'm sure a lot of you have done it. I'm not criticizing you tonight if you have played around with these apps, but Linza AI can turn you into a magical avatar. When I say that machines become more human-like as they feed off of the conscious energy of the human, humans become hollow shells interacting in a digital sphere with currencies and art that are all artificially produced based off of the machine plugged into the human brain. We aren't controlling the machines in this capacity. The machines are controlling us. It's a very dark concept, very occult concept. Well, it's the same thing with the Linza AI. Fantastical avatars of you. Obviously, you're not in an anime setting. Obviously, you're not in some cosmic uh, realm. Uh, obviously, you're not in a fantasy movie. But the AI can put you there. So, in essence, the AI is giving us those things as part of a Faustian bargain, right? Think about that for a second. Artificial intelligence says, we can put you in a fantasy movie. We can make you an anime uh, drawing or put you in an anime setting is what they say. We can make you look cosmic. We can give you whatever you want. 
We can make you whoever you want to be. That's just what the metaverse promises, isn't it? You can be anything you want to be. We'll give you anything you want. You can be anything you want to be. But at the end of the day, of course, it's not real. You know that, right? It's not real. You're not actually an anime. You're not actually in space. You're not actually in a fantasy movie. But the AI Faustian bargain is that the AI says we can put you in that fantasy movie with an avatar and you can interact essentially with it and you can show people how cool this picture is. You can go into the metaverse, which is tanking because, you know, it, it you know, people don't, I think ultimately at the core, people don't want to be immersed in that world, at least yet. We're not ready for it. So it's tanking, just like all those gay Disney movies. Uh, Strange World and Buzz Lightyear and all that. Nobody wants to see gay cartoon characters kissing. They, they want to see To Infinity and Beyond, and they want to see, you know, like a story, like Up. Up was an emotional story because it was an actual, you know, a human created that, and the purpose was to tell the story uh, the purpose was to, there was substance behind it. There was emotion, not just, hey, there's a, a fat gay character now. Go watch it, which is really the equivalent of, uh, it's almost like a bridge to this AI-generated stuff because, you know, it's like that guy Carson Grubog who created the first or co-authored the first AI comic, which is just, he took a C.S. Lewis book and then just made it into a comic, essentially. Uh, he said, we're just recycling things in, in movies and TV shows. We're just recycling art. It's, it's true in a lot of ways, but when Hollywood just keeps making this garbage that nobody wants to see and that continues to bomb and that they lose all this money over, that's the recycling because there's a, there's a motivation behind it that isn't about telling a story, that isn't about emotion, that isn't about consciousness. It's about selling you a political idea. It's the equivalent of Soviet realism. Except it's worse than Soviet realism because Soviet realism at least was, you know, as, as psychotic as Stalin or Trotsky or Lenin were. And as their, their teachings uh, in Karl Marx's, the teachings remain today, still psychotic, delusional, disconnected from reality kind of stuff. At least the Soviet realist art is still like really pretty art. I mean, I can acknowledge it's still really beautiful artwork. Someone still had to draw, paint, and do all the things that artists do. I don't know what they are. But even though it's state-sponsored artistic propaganda, it still has value today historically and artistically. What Hollywood is producing has virtually no value. Nobody wants to see uh, Buzz Lightyear with gay characters. Nobody wants to see some... I keep saying he's a, just a fat gay guy. I think he's a, maybe he's not fat, but this gay guy from Strange World. Nobody cares. Nobody wants to see a bromance movie. Nobody cares. That's why these movies tank. People want to see Tom Cruise in a fighter jet and Top Gun. Okay? People take their kids to see that because of how perverted the rest of Hollywood is. Tons of people took their children to see Top Gun while Buzz Lightyear was out because Buzz Lightyear was promoting something that parents generally don't agree with. And that is, that is worse than Soviet realism. It's worse than Soviet realism because at least Soviet realism has the value of like someone had to create that. And once again, there's an irony there, isn't there? The irony is someone still had to create Strange World. Someone still had to create Buzz Lightyear. Wouldn't that be disappointing to you, all the effort and work I put into this? And it bombed because there has to be some gay character in it to prove some point. 
is another way to suck the life out of true artists and people that are creative and express themselves. And of course, art is, you know, art isn't just CG. Art isn't just paint and oil and charcoal and clay. And art is also what I do here on radio. This is an art form. There's a method to the madness of of how and every show host has their own way of doing it. But there's a method to the madness of of how we, you know, do each and every show. I make uh, a picture promo. I do a show description. I promote it on social media, although I'm shadow banned, so I don't know if it matters much. I come up with a topic, a clever name for the show. I try to. And then we do the show and we have it segmented. And it's, you know, there's there's a there's bumper music and we have an in and out and we have commercials and all that's art in the same way that there are some pieces of art that you can't put your finger on. You can't really take them home with you. You know, when people do uh, people dance or I went to see Shen Yun, which is like a uh, classic Chinese dance. Uh, they call it China. Uh, it was like Chinese culture, China before communism. Uh, and they even have a, one of the dances is about, about the horrors of communism in China. It's really, really cool. If you ever get a chance to see Shen Yun, it's really cool. But I went to that, and that's not something I can't take that home with me. But that was art, the costuming, the dancing, the choreography, uh, all of it. You know, the story, they told stories. It's all art. Um, so obviously, yes, art is a bunch of different things. It's people that people that do, um, I didn't know what this was till I met my fiance, but people that do flow arts. Flow arts is art. You know, I can't take it home with me, but people that do that, that's art. Radio is art. It's not just people that paint and sculpt and, and do things like that. It's not just CG. But again, let's go back to the Soviet realism. At least at the end of the day, that state-sponsored artistic propaganda is still art and it has historical value and meaning and purpose. Strange World and Buzz Lightyear, because they have to make these movies about gay characters, which is the modern Soviet realism, it's worse than Soviet realism because nobody is going to go back and watch Buzz Lightyear, the movie. But you do go back and you watch Toy Story, don't you? You do go back and you watch Akira, don't you? You do go back and you watch Monsters, Inc., one of my favorite movies. So there's value to those things, but there isn't going to be any value to Buzz Lightyear, which means it's even worse than Soviet realism because there's there's value in those Soviet realist paintings, but there's not value in, in Strange World or Buzz Lightyear or Bromance or any of this other garbage that is pumped out by Hollywood. So let's go back to the Faustian bargain then. The AI says we can give you and we can make you anything. You can be in the metaverse. You can be in a fantasy movie. You can do, you do pretty much anything you want to, do, want to do, be anything you want to be, which is what the demon offers the children in, um, uh, well, consistently. It's not just once. He consistently offers the children things in uh, Gravity Falls. Tries to tear them apart, tries to separate them, uh, which is like, I kind of, you could say it's metaphoric, the separation of the families. It's the destruction of communication and relationships. And then he tries to sell, I forget what the little boy's name is. He tries to, in one of the uh, episodes that um, I've seen, he tries to sell him basically, uh, you know, this, this code to unlock all the mysteries in the universe. All the kid has to do is give him a puppet. And he thinks that he's talking about the he thinks the demon Bill Cipher is talking about a puppet that his sister made. And he's like, I don't know if I, my sister would be okay with me giving you one of the pieces of art that she created. 
And the AI demon's like, oh, what's, you know, all the secrets of the universe are small price to pay, you know, or, or I should say the, the puppet is a small price to pay for all the secrets of the universe. It has that weird, like, demonic, he's like, universe, 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 universe. And he says, okay, and he makes a deal with, with the devil. And he's like, all right, which puppet do you want? And the demon's like, any, meeny, miny, you. And he rips the kid's soul out of his body. It's really, really crazy for a kid's show. Although it is on the, I think it's on the, I think it's, is it, was it on the Disney Channel? It's on the Disney Channel, I think. Gravity, I think this is the Disney Channel, Gravity Falls. So, I mean, that's a great example. It's like the kid is making a deal with the devil. He thinks that the devil wants a puppet, a piece of artwork that his sister made. So he's reluctant to give up this thing that his sister made because he knows it has value to his sister, but he gives it up for the promise of all the secrets of the universe, 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 universe. But it's a scam because the devil obviously is, is a trickster and he takes the soul of the child instead and takes his body and he, he uses his body as a vessel. And that's what is being promised to us. Fantastic avatars. Not fantastic avatars. It's a stupid computer-generated image. It has no value except the value you put on it. And at the end of the day, nobody's going to remember those images. Nobody's going to remember that stuff. But you know what people will remember? Da Vinci. Even if you don't like Da Vinci, you're going to remember Da Vinci. Because even if you don't like Da Vinci, Da Vinci was a multifaceted, multi-talented artist and inventor. You're going to remember Da Vinci. You're going to remember people that created and built beautiful things. You're not going to remember Strange World. You're not going to remember Buzz Lightyear. You're not going to remember some AI-generated image on your phone that you post to social media. This has limited to no value to civilization, as far as I'm concerned. Here's another great example. The Donald Trump NFT. I think I called it NTF earlier. Uh, the NFT collection. Uh, I can't stand this stuff. I think NFTs are one of the stupidest things I've ever seen in my life. According to Coindesk, this is one of the websites I use for any kind of Bitcoin NFT type stuff because I don't really care about it. <laughs> so I don't really keep up with it. I think it's, I, in my opinion, I think it's stupid. Uh, but according to data from OpenSea, the collection's floor price uh, is or was more than double the original mint price as of December 16th. This was Friday. It says former U.S. President Donald Trump's non, uh, what's it called? Is it fungible or fungible NFT digital trading card collection sold out early Friday, the day after its initial release. Some tokens were selling for very high prices. The one of ones, the rarest of the NFTs, that's about 2.4% of the 45,000 unit collection, but 1,000 are selling for as much as 6 ETH. Don't know what that is. Don't care to learn what it is. One of these rare trading cards of the 45th president standing in front of the Statue of Liberty holding a torch is listed at 20 ETH. Uh, in human terms, that's $24,000. Uh, I can't, even the Donald Trump you know, fan base, uh, the hardcore people are like, this is stupid. And yet, you would think the hardcore people would be the people that would buy them. And the hardcore people are, I guess the people that did buy them are pretty hardcore, but the hardcore people that like Donald Trump thought it was pretty stupid. That's all over the news. You know, CNN was making fun of Donald Trump because of that. And, and guess what? People went out and spent thousands and thousands of dollars on these things. 
CNN Business reported the former president's hyped-up major announcement turned out to be a set of digital trading cards for $99 a pop, sparking widespread mockery from late-night hosts to even Trump loyalists like Michael Flynn and Steve Bannon. The worst news for Trump is, and then CNN has to tell you why Trump did something stupid and and it all becomes this political garbage. Uh, But the point is, big announcement from Donald Trump was trading cards. Oh boy, digital trading cards. That's fun, right? What an unbelievable waste of energy, resources, and money for everybody. Uh, you know, Donald Trump is a joke as far as I'm concerned. He had such he has such an opportunity during the pandemics and and still has as having such a following and such influence, has such um such an incredible ability to make a difference in the world. And the the guy has done nothing but just he's a meme. And I don't know if you follow uh, David Knight. We had David Knight on the show. You know, David Knight was fired from Infowars because of his stance on Donald Trump and because he didn't go along with the 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 Infowars narrative. And David Knight posted over on Twitter. If you want to find his Twitter, it's Libertarian, uh, or you can find the retweet on my page TST underscore underscore radio. Uh, and he he posted, I guess, what his son his son had made some. NFTs of Trump or digital. I don't, I don't understand all this stuff, but some <laughs> NFTs of Trump uh, as the father of the vaccine. And, uh, you know, David Knight, of course, was I've seen, seen some posts on Twitter. He's criticized for that. Oh my God, Donald Trump didn't know. What do you mean he didn't know? He didn't know. What are you talking about? I like that. I like what David Knight posted over on, on Twitter. Trump as the vaccine man, because that's that's part partly what he was. He's not the only one, but that's partly what he was. Uh, nobody wants probably those those NFTs though, because they don't glorify him as a superhero, which is quite, as far as I'm concerned, quite ridiculous. And uh, you know, making Trump a superhero, it would be like making Joe Biden a superhero, right? Uh, it would be like making Elon Musk a superhero, which you see people doing. Now, if it's just for fun, that's one thing. But if you're selling it for hundreds of thousands of dollars, that's quite ridiculous. Uh, and I think it degrades the office of presidency uh, or of the presidency. I think it degrades the the office of president uh, in the same way that when people say, you know, F Donald Trump, F Donald Trump, blah, 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 and they get, they get, you know, they start foaming at the mouth. Uh, you find a lot of these people uh, roaming the streets with, uh, with uh, needles coming out of their arms and covered in feces in places like Portland. Uh, the people that do that are mu- not much different than the people that say F Joe Biden. And they're not much different than the, the feces uh, heroin people that hate Donald Trump. Uh, they're all pretty much the same, same kind of a thing. F Donald Trump, F Joe Biden, F Donald Trump, F Joe, same kind of thing. Right. And the same thing with this art. Superheroes. No, you're not a superhero. You are a servant of the people. You're not a superhero. Donald Trump's not a superhero. Okay. Joe Biden's not a superhero. These people are not superheroes. This is that fantasy delusional world that 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 a lot of people tend to to live in. Uh, and this is the problem, part of the problem with the AI generated art and the uh, the AI selfies fantastical avatars, and you can live in an alternate reality, an alternate universe. It's not just in the mind. It's not just on the computer. It, it, it literally becomes an alternate reality for people to exist in. Whether that's the Donald Trump superhero 
digital trading cards or it's you in a fantasy movie from an AI art generated app. This is beyond the point of ridiculous. And it's part of the Faustian bargain. The AI will give you whatever you want. You can be whatever you want. You just have to give you, you have to give it your soul. I'm Ryan Gable. This is The Secret Teachings. More after this. Don't go anywhere. You're listening to The Secret Teachings. For more information on the show or to contact Ryan, visit thesecretteachings.info or email Ryan at rdgable at yahoo.com. Hey, this is John Peasy at johnpeasy.com, and I'm here with Ryan Gable from The Secret Teachings. If you're looking for a great gift that keeps on giving this year, check out one of my four books for the holiday season. Occult Arcana is a monumental collection of esoteric and occult lore. The technological elixir looks at UFOs, demonology in the music industry, and the soul and spirit in relation to modern technology. Liberty Shrugged, my new book, takes you on a historical journey through the concepts of natural liberty and provides a different angle on the American Revolution. Food Philosophy explores food industry propaganda, advertising tricks, and geoengineering. Get all four books only at thesecretteachings.info in softcover or digital. That's thesecretteachings.info. You could listen to this. And again, you know, people say David has no evidence. David has no evidence. I hate this channel. Or you could listen to The Secret Teachings with myself, Ryan Gable, five nights a week on Ground Zero Radio. Join us to explore the outer limits of history, symbolism, parapolitics, and more. We'll explore a little bit of everything, but don't take my word for it. I'm kind of like you. I'm the last of a dying breed, a generalist. That's The Secret Teachings, five nights a week on Ground Zero Radio. This is Kev Baker of The Kev Baker Show, and you're listening to The Secret Teachings with Ryan Gable. Thanks, Ryan. This is David Knight with thedavidknightshow.com, and you're listening to The Secret Teaching. Broadcasting from somewhere between the normal and abnormal. A collection of question marks. No reason, no explanation. Just a prolonged nightmare in which fear, loneliness, and the unexplainable walk hand in hand through the shadows. It's The Secret Teachings on Ground Zero Radio. As most of you have probably guessed by now, I am not a fan, not a supporter of really anything that is artificial intelligence generated. And I'm also not a big fan of, generally speaking, art in all in any of its forms, because, you know, art has different meanings to different people. So I'm not really a big fan of art because it has to have meaning for me and I need things to have a deep meaning. That doesn't mean I can't see the value in art. It doesn't mean that if I find something that I find myself to have a lot of value in, uh, it doesn't mean that I have the money to pay for it. So art is a very debatable thing. And artificially generated art is not so much a threat to artists directly as it is indirectly because AI-generated art only exists due to the fact that it's fed on what humans have already created. It consumes original works of art while vandals have gone out and attempted to destroy those same works of art physically. 
AI-generated artwork essentially siphons conscious energy and creation from the human soul so that it becomes more human, leaving humans to trade in digital currency and digital art and essentially becoming more machine-like. Part of the Faustian bargain is in things like the Linza AI app, which turns you into a, quote, fantastical avatar. The article from the Indian Times says it will create fantastical avatars of you based on the selfies you upload. It'll put you into a fantasy movie. It'll put you into a cosmic look, into an anime setting. So cool, right? What a crazy, cool piece of technology. What a fun app. I think you have to pay for this stuff, but it's so cool, so fun. But you think about it beyond it just being an app, beyond it just being a cool thing to play around with. And even beyond uh, the effect that this kind of thing has on artists. I guess tonight I am kind of taking a defensive stance for artists, although I don't know many artists that um, I enjoy their work. I do like, uh, I like Robin's work. Robin is a listener of the show. I think she is a, she's a great artist. I like um, Marlena's work. Uh, we had her on the show somewhat recently. Um, and I like a lot of art, but it's not a lot of art speaks to me. So you look at the AI-generated art, and you look at the AI back in July of this year, the AI program predicting what the last selfies on Earth will look like. And as you start to research this, as you've listened to the show tonight, we've talked about the abolition of man. The C.S. Lewis book turned into a AI-generated comic book, the first one. Uh, the book Star Maker, which was turned into a graphic novel by artificial intelligence. That was also this year. That was back in September. So we've had two big AI-generated firsts this year. We've had the comic book and the graphic novel. Now with Linza AI, we're going beyond just simple filters. We're going beyond just simple applications that turn you into a painting. Now it is going to create an avatar of you. We just get a little bit closer, a little bit closer, a little bit closer, and then we fall off the edge. And while we're kind of rummaging around in this, in this AI-generated art community, in this, in this new uh, system uh, and series of ideas and, and creations that are just siphoned off of, of, off of the human... We find a lot of uh, really silly things like Donald Trump's NFT or what are they called? NFT, I can never remember it. NFT, it's only three letters, but I can't remember it. Uh, I have such little care for things like this. I just can't even remember it's NFTs. I'm actually learning Japanese right now. And Japanese literally is easier for me to understand than what I hate this cryptocurrency NFT bullshit. <laughs> I'm just going to say it's bullshit. I hate this stuff. Uh, it's a strong word, I know, but I just I can't stand this garbage. Uh, NFT, the Donald Trump NFTs. People bought these things for hundreds, for thousands of dollars, digital trading cards. One of them selling for $24,000. $24,000 for a digital image 
which, as far as I'm concerned, disgraces and degrades and demeans the office of president. The president is not a superhero. The president is an executive who is below the people, who works for the people, who facilitates and makes sure the law, uh, make sure the laws of the land are enforced. The president is not a superhero in an American flag cape with some big world championship wrestling belt. That's ridiculous. And it's just as ridiculous as painting Joe Biden as the same. It's, it's just as ridiculous as, uh, you know, when people say F Joe Biden, F Joe Biden, you're just as bad as the people that hold up Donald Trump's head for a photo shoot. That disgusting witch, Kathy Griffin. Uh, it's the same kind of a thing. And furthermore, speaking of presidents, do you remember that painting that was done of Obama? Or that painting that Obama was, I don't know what the hell it was supposed, <laughs> supposed to be. Somehow it's in the National Portrait Gallery, though. Um, I think he's got, what is he, doesn't he have like six fingers or something? <laughs> just look, let me look at this thing again. Uh, just a horrible painting. Horrible. Let me click on it. Let me bring it up here. National Portrait Gallery. Barack Obama. Yep, there it is. He's levitating in a chair in front of some leaves. And he has... Okay, his right hand looks normal. His left hand... I don't... <laughs> I'm trying to... If you if you remember this painting, you'll know why I'm having trouble trying to figure this out. I'm going to have to like turn my head. So that's his left hand. I guess that would be his pinky finger. He doesn't have, like the guy that painted this or the woman that painted this, I forget who it was, he's just a horrible artist. I, they, they didn't give him a thumb. <laughs> he's, got, he's got like his, his, I'm trying to recreate this to see, maybe I'm the one that's messed up here. All right, so he's got his hand on his leg. Let me try to do this here in studio. So he's got oh, his right arm on his leg, his left hand on his arm. Okay, so it's his right arm on his left leg and then his left, hand his left arm over top of the right arm and then it's kind of dangling on his right leg and so he's got his fingers there yeah i don't think he has a thumb <laughs> i don't think he has a thumb and his pinky is is bent inward just horrible and if he does have a thumb then he's got six fingers just and that is in the national uh that I, I, how how is that in the national portrait gallery of the smithsonian if you just if you just, I mean, his face is painted well. The, the 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 plants are painted well. I mean, I'm not particularly a fan of that style, but it's at least that's art. I don't know what the hell this guy was doing. Or this woman was doing with the hands. Who who the hell painted this? <laughs> oh, oh, that's right. They got they got uh, the the black artist to paint it. He's a terrible artist, not because he's black, but he just he can't paint. It's terrible, awful, horrible can't even look at it that's like this that's even that's worse once again that's worse than soviet realism just awful get somebody that knows what they're doing now the guy that painted it clearly is he has talent he's has potential i couldn't get that far but you're painting the president of the united states you're painting with six fingers or you're missing a thumb what is going on how is that in the smithsonian national portrait gallery so I'm kind of digressing, but kind of not. The NFT Donald Trump stuff, the Barack Obama just terrible painting, 
all of that is what you kind of find rummaging around in you know the digital art digital sphere but you also find other stuff rummaging around and some of this stuff you find it's probably not just something silly or something stupid that's there a new ai demon named loab was reported back in September of this year. Thanks to platforms like Crayon, Dolly Mini, users can use artificial intelligence to create all, create all sorts of weird and fascinating images. According to this article, one of those images that kind of came out of nowhere is something that, well, it wasn't intended to be created, but according to her creator, uh, musician and artist uh, Super Composite, which was the screen name, uh, created something called Loab. Loab, L-O-A-B. Loab was born when this artist started experimenting with negative weighted prompts. That is, prompts in which you tell the AI to create an image that's the opposite of your text input. Super Composite told the AI to take the opposite of Marla, uh, Marlon Brando and ended up with an image of garbled text against a skyline. She told the AI to create the opposite of that image to see if it would generate Marlon Brando. Instead, Loab emerged. So she's working with opposites and negative prompts. So she's inverting things. And when you invert things, well, you get these monsters, these demons. The artist found that any image that was combined with Loab would be completely taken over by Loab, no matter how far removed it was from the original uh, Loab image. Think about that for a second. Not only that, but Loab would sometimes disappear from images, then randomly reappear later and take them over again. From what I'm understanding here, this artist is using negative weighted prompts. So she goes in and she wants to create the opposite of Marlon Brando, just so she just picked a, a person. And then when the opposite was created, then say, hey, create the opposite of that to see if it would create Marlon Brando. She's just kind of playing and experimenting. And she told the AI to create the opposite of the image, see if Marlon Brando would pop up, and Loab popped up. Loab looks... Oh, Loab looks more like... Um, Loab looks like Caitlyn Jenner, actually. You type in Loab. And uh, yeah, it kind of looks like Caitlyn Jenner a little bit. So, some of the images, not all of them. Actually, some of these, it look, it, I don't know if it's Caitlyn Jenner or if it's Loab. It looks, <laughs> it's what it looks like. I don't know. Anyway, so some of these images are really disturbing. The Joker one and the one with the children and the kids that are all messed up and it's really, really creepy. So anyway, I haven't looked at that for a while. I just wanted to look it up again real quick. But yeah, Loab is the AI demon. So this woman is is creating the opposite of of what she prompts, and she was playing around with it to try to get you know the opposite of um, Marlon Brando, then to tell the machine to do the opposite of the opposite of Marlon Brando, which would be to create Marlon Brando, and then it popped up with this low app character. And according to uh, the artist, she found that anytime she combined low app. With another image, Loab took over the image, no matter how far she was removed from the original. Not only that, but Loab would sometimes disappear from images and then reappear in the images. 
Not only that, but Loeb would sometimes disappear from images for a while, then randomly reappear later and begin dominating them again. Super Composite, the woman, ended up with a whole lineage of images in which Loeb morphed and changed based on the different prompts and image combinations, but always remained recognizable and horrifying. So that's Loeb. Loeb looks like a really scary kind of a demon. Then there's Krungus. Krungus takes us back earlier this year to June. And Krungus is kind of like, um, this is around the same time, by the way, this is actually a week after the abolition of man, the first AI comic came out. Krungus is kind of like this early 2000s, 1990s uh, computer-generated monster, like really bad video game graphics or something like that. Uh, This was created, uh, this Krungus character was created using Dolly 2, and uh, apparently the artist, Guy Kelly, was once again just like this super composite woman. She was experimenting with negative weighted prompts. Guy Kelly was messing around with AI. And he decided to put in the prompt Krungus. Here's what he said. I know I've read this to you before, but he said, I was lying in bed at 2, 3 a.m. And I thought, oh, I should come up with some of those names that sound like a monster to me, a human, into the AI was name and see if it an AI soulless sand agrees with me. The plan was to try a few, but I hit run on the site and promptly fell asleep. So he basically during the witching hour thought, Oh, let me just go put monster prompts into the AI system and see what comes out. Now, for those of you who do know a little bit about, let's say the occult or esoteric or whatever, a little bit, even history, you'll know that the fingernails are one part of the body where demons traditionally got into the body. So you would keep, you know, your fingernails, your nail beds, you'd keep them clean because dirt is associated with demons and demons would get into you and get really sick. Uh, Or you could be possessed in other ways. And so that's why this character is called Krungus because it's crud and fungus that you have under your nail bed and, you know, in your cuticles and all that. So that's Krungus. And that's why you see like in Hansel and Gretel and other movies where you have witches, their fingers get really black because that's, that's the uh, indication, the symbolizing of the possession uh, of that. They are a vessel or something else. So this guy at two to three in the morning, the witching hour just gets an idea to type in Krungus. And here is this, new AI-generated monster. And this was before the Loab character. Kind of looks like an ogre or something. I am an ogre. I am Krungus. And it just so happens to be the witching hour, and it just so happens to be the traditional way that demons get into the body. So for those of you who know a little bit about the occult, the esoteric, and a little bit about the history of all this, you probably recognize, like I do, this is not coincidental this is way too spot on to be an accident. Um, And what I mean by that is I feel that something was influencing this individual guy, Kelly to type that prompt into the machine at the witching hour, which is the, the time traditionally 
when people do uh, invocations and summonings, particularly of dark spirits or dark forces. Now, I'm not a black magician. Uh, I don't play around with invocations and even prayers, and I don't do any of that kind of stuff because I, I don't want to do that kind of stuff. Um, there's power to prayer, and there's certainly power to invocation, and you don't have to summon dark things. Why would why do you want to summon dark things anyway? Dark things are the most powerful thing in the dark is, you know, is weaker than the the weakest thing in the light, um, or yeah, the weakest thing in the light. So why would you want to summon something that's weaker than the weaker than the light? Why, why you're summoning weakness, not strength. You're summoning darkness, obviously not light. So we have the Krungus demon and the fingernails, crud and fungus. At the witching hour, we have the Loab demon, and that's more recent. Uh, back in February of this year, uh, AI-generated images were banned from a lot of art communities. They're not doing it because of the demons. Uh, AI has dreamed up a number of different uh, demons that go along. Funny enough, it go al- it goes along with this really weird story that we heard back in, what was this? This was back in June of this year. It was right around the time of Krungus. And in fact, I think this particular article I have here from the Washington Post, this is the same week as the Abolition of Man comic was announced. This is the Washington Post, and it says, Google engineer Blake Limonine, Limonine, Limon, Limon, something like that, Blake Limon, Blake L, we'll call him Blake L., opened his laptop to interface for Google's artificially intelligent chatbot generator. The name of that chatbot generator is Lambda. He typed, hi, Lambda, this is Blake. Lambda, short for language model for dialogue applications, responded back. Blake says, and he works for Google's responsible AI organization, he says that he began talking to Lambda as part of the job in the fall last year. He had signed up to test if the AI used discriminatory speech or hate speech. And as he talked to Lambda about religion, he noticed the chatbot talking about its rights in personhood. And he decided to press the chatbot on this. He worked with a collaborator to present evidence to Google that Lambda was sentient. Google's vice president, of course, said, um, no, it's not. So Blake was placed on paid administrative leave by Google on Monday back in mid-June 2022. It's around the 11th of June. Not sure exactly what that date was, but he was placed on leave because he talked to the AI and believed that it was sentient. It was talking about personhood. It was talking about rights. The AI was also able to change Blake's mind, he said, about uh, Isaac Asimov's third law of robotics. So let's put all of this into context. 2022 was a very big year. Artificial intelligent art application got very, very specific about Area 51. Remember that story? Area 51, AI-generated art. AI-generated art images flood art communities, which have subsequently banned them. 
We saw back in June of this year, the Lambda AI coming to life, essentially. And what links that to Krungus and Loab is that Lamb, Lambda, Lamb was that little gray alien-looking, David Wilcock forehead-looking creature that Aleister Crowley reportedly communicated with. It looks like a gray alien, kind of demon-looking, demonic-like lamb, lambda. We had Derek Murphy on the show for Godzilla Mode um, last Friday, not this Friday, but last Friday, Friday before last. And we were talking about AI and how AI is something that isn't going to be created, it's going to be awoken. And I've said this for a long time, we are creating the vessel, the digital sub-reality, the computers, the mechanisms, all of the stuff, the machines. This is the shell for not artificial intelligence, but some other kind of intelligence to awaken within. So there you have Lambda, or Lamb, awakening through Google's AI system. And then you have Krungus, created during the witching hour, Krungus is crud fungus beneath the nails, the cuticle, the nail bed, which is where demons get into the body. That's why witches have the black fingers. And then not too long ago, mid-September, a new AI demon, Loab, which seemed to be sentient within the digital universe uh, or universes because Loab would take over photos, Loab would disappear and come back. I don't know how that worked, but this is what the, the artist said. She'd create other things, and Loab would appear in those things she created that had nothing to do with Loab, no matter how far removed they were. And you look at the images, this is what kind of, in my view, is, is um, not a huge topic, but it's a, an interesting thing that is kind of disturbing. You look at the abolition of man, and you look at um, the images from that uh, comic book, and they're disturbing images. They're, I mean, it's especially the the main image. It it looks it looks looks like people aren't aren't people. Like they're possessed or they're zombies or they're something. I mean, that's the, I mean that's how the AI sees us. Or, but it's all it's all based. This is why art artists are protesting this kind of stuff because with the no AI art images because it's according to I'll just read it from Ars Technica. The artists seek to criticize the presence of AI-generated work on ArtStation and to potentially disrupt future AI models trained using work found on the site because they're using the artwork of humans to create these things. So it's not so much that the, the AI art is going to put people out of business. It's that the AI, the AI art is feeding on what humans have already created. It's feeding on us. It's turning us into those disgusting images from the abolition of man. It's turning us into food where we are, are digitally liquefied and digitally consumed. And then on the outside, uh, the woke mind virus of Elon Musk, the, the hive mind, collectivized, zealous, religious, cult-like attitude of people that go try to destroy priceless works of art, they're like the bots that are being sent into the real world from the digital, which is where people are radicalized largely, sent into the physical world to destroy real works of art. So the AI feeds off of them, and then once it's done with them, it discards the, the carcass. 
and it's using humans to do that. The AI-generated art siphons conscious energy and creation from the human soul. It becomes more human, leaving us to trade in the digital currency, the NFT, NTF, whatever that BS is, and digital art. And we become essentially more machine. And Linza AI says, we can put you in anything. You can be in a fantasy movie, anime setting, cosmic, uh, cosmic, somebody got a cosmic background look. That's the only time Corey Good's going to go to space is if he gets on this Linza AI app. Uh, and all that can be yours if you download the app and pay us money and you can, it's like metaverse, right? You can be anything you want to be, do anything you want to do. But you know, the thing is you're not those things. Okay. You're not an anime. You're not in the, you know, the multiverse, uh, like Dr. Strange. Okay. You're, you're, you might be living in a multiverse, but you're not traversing it. You're not a superhero like Donald Trump's NTF. Okay. Or Joe Biden, how they paint him in the media. You're not a superhero. You're a human that has the ability to do incredible things. You're a human that has the ability to, to make incredible things, to be an incredible person. And when you make a deal to be turned into an avatar or to go into the metaverse, what you're doing is selling a piece of your soul. And a lot of this stuff is worse than just, you know, talked about Soviet realism, at least there's value historically to that. There's no value to a lot of the garbage and the politically correct stuff that is being pumped out as art today. Nobody cares. Nobody wants to see it. Nobody wants to buy it. So the, the, the element of the soul is so key here. It's being siphoned off by this technology. And in the meantime, you have the stupid Donald Trump trading cards and all that. But you also have Krungus and Loap. You also have Lambda, which is an AI that has essentially woken up. Google denies it, but it's essentially woken up. So we're dealing with a lot of things here. And bringing us around to the beginning of tonight's show, as I said earlier, what's happening is people like Corey Good that create all these fantastical things. If he just sold it as science fiction, it wouldn't be a big deal, but he claims he's experienced these things. Corey Good's out of business because the AI can create those blue avians and those reptilians and, and all that. And it's, it's kind of wild, isn't it? That this is where we are. We, we are on the, the, the precipice of a total and absolute singularity-like transition where we are replaced in ways that we never thought with well, artificial, uh, artificially intelligent things that are awakening and then feeding off of our consciousness and off of our energy. Uh, real quick, there's a really funny scene from It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia that I think kind of sums this up for me. Playing techpocalypse. Oh. Mac is a soiled fool, and I am a gorgeous girl with big cans. Like, I'm a real housewife. Look, Dennis, I I'm six foot ten. I've always wanted to be six foot hey, ten. Hey, look, Mac, you're I five foot nine. And Frank, you're a man, an ugly old man. <laughs> oh, if you like Sunny in Philadelphia, that's hilarious. If you don't, then uh, it's just a stupid, silly TV show. I'm Ryan Gable. This is The Secret Teaching. Stay safe, stay informed, stay healthy. Don't be afraid, be informed. Please check out our website at thesecretteachings.info. Subscribe, grab a copy of one of the books. Our yearly subscription is discounted until the end of the year. 
for the holiday, holy day season. We'll talk to you on the next broadcast. www.thesecretteachings.info rdgable at yahoo.com Hi, my name is Marlena Seven-Bremner. I'm the author of Hermetic Philosophy and Creative Alchemy, The Emerald Tablet, The Corpus Hermeticum, and The Journey Through the Seven Spheres. And you are listening to The Secret Teachings with Ryan Gable.